It didn't work out. But it's all good. Hey, I want to welcome you here. If you're a guest here this morning, it is our, our joy to have you, and we're so glad you've come <clears throat> to share your Sunday morning with us. I want to just do a quick plug right now for our growth track, which is starting next Sunday, uh, the beginning of the month of July. We've got growth track happening. We believe that every single person in this room carries a gift from God. You've, you've been made for a purpose, and we want to help you discover what that purpose is. I think, actually believe that there is uh, the greatest level that you can achieve as a person, the greatest thing you can do with your life is to discover the purpose God's made you for and begin to use your life to make a difference for somebody else. Only then will you be truly satisfied. And I want to encourage you, we want to help you discover your gift and be, help you be able to use that in a meaningful and positive way to make a difference in this world. And so I want to encourage you, we've got Growth Track starting next week, 10 a.m. during the 10 a.m. service. You can pop your kids in the kids program and come along uh, to that. And you can stick around for a service or come early for the early service. Or uh, in the month of July, we're also running it from 4 till 5 p.m. So you can always come at 4 and uh, do 4 to 5 p.m. and stick around for our 5 p.m. service. Uh, we just believe in this so much that we want to see every person go through it. So if you've never done it, if you're new to Elam, get on board. We'd love to have you do that. We're in part two of our Love Monday series, and Simon Green kicked this off so well last week. And, uh, you know, often uh, Mondays kind of feel like going to jail. It's like the work week is like going to prison. So you go into jail on Monday, the jail of work. And you work in prison for the whole week, and then Fridays you get let out of prison. It's like you get the weekend to be free, to live your life. And then Sunday afternoon rolls around, you start getting a little bit depressed because you've got to go back to jail. I don't believe God wants us to live with Monday-itis. I think God wants us to have a little bit of Monday-excitis. Dead joke Sunday. We really want to encourage you that to discover... The, the truth that God has got purpose for you no matter where you are, no matter what you do. And God's purpose for you is not just around Sunday. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Sundays. I love this. I love being in the house of God. I love doing church. It's like the thing that I, that I live for. And I'm so excited to see so many people come to know God through our Sunday services. This month alone, we've seen well over 100 people give their lives to Christ through our Sunday services. Isn't God amazing? That's incredible. We're seeing God do amazing things in this place. I mean, that Sunday church is a place where you come and your faith gets restored and your vision gets expanded and you get built up and stirred up in faith and you get the Word deposited to you. You come and corporately worship together. You get mended. You get instructed. You get uh, coached and helped so you can go and attack your Monday like never before. I really believe if you want to love Mondays, you've got to value Sundays. Like, like don't, don't underestimate the power of getting to church on a Sunday consistently. Make it a priority so that you are shaped and molded and, and your vision and your heart and your faith is expanded so you can go and do all that God has for you on a Monday. But I want to encourage you today that there is purpose for you in your Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday, your work, whatever work you do, wherever you find yourself working, God has positioned you for purpose. I want to look at this, this morning at a young man named Daniel. And uh, Daniel in the Bible, he's, he's got a whole book, the book of Daniel. And uh, in the book of Daniel, you read the story of this young man who has been taken into captivity in the nation of Babylon. Uh, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, has come in and he's just taken the city. Uh, uh, he's taken um, Israel and he's, he's like besieged them and he's won the battle. And so he's taken a whole bunch of young men into Babylonian exile. He's taken them as captives into Babylon. Now they've got to work for him. So Nebuchadnezzar is now their boss, and they've got work to do 
throughout the week that He is wanting them to do for Him. And so in a lot of ways, they're now employees of the nation of Babylon under the boss Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I know it's forced employment, but nevertheless, they've all got a job to do. And what happens is this young man, Daniel, he so distinguishes himself. There's these amazing qualities about him, the way he lives, the way he acts, what he does. What Daniel realizes is that he's not just in captivity. God has placed him in that place for a purpose. He has a totally different perspective on his, his captivity, his work and what he's doing week to week. He, he understands that God's actually put him there and God's got a purpose for him while he's there. And his purpose is so strong that the, the life that Daniel lives and the way he operates and what he does ends up turning a whole nation towards God. This is what his boss has to say about him. Check this out. And this is what his boss has to say about the whole matter. This is King Nebuchadnezzar, who is a pagan king. He's far from God. He's not connected to the God of heaven. This is what he says, right? There's a few examples in your notes there, Daniel 4, uh, 1 to 3, Daniel 4, 37. But we're going to read Daniel 6, 26. It says this. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. If that's not influence, I don't know what is. The way Daniel operates has caused the king to look at everyone and go, okay, everyone, listen up. The God of Daniel is the everlasting God. Can you imagine if you go to work and your boss goes, all right, okay, listen up, Bunnings Botany. I make a decree that everyone here should tremble in fear at the God of Rachel. Can you imagine that? You show up to work wherever you go. I make a decree that everyone in this business at Plant Barn on Botany Road, I make a decree that everyone needs to tremble in fear at the God of Daniel because he's the living God. What influence, man. That's incredible. It's amazing to see what God does in that. And I want to tell you, friends, I believe that every one of you is positioned for a purpose. You don't just do a job. You're there because God has got something for you to do there. No matter what you do, whether you're a police officer, whether you're a rubbish man, whether you are a debt collector, <clears throat> whether, you are, whether you are a doctor, a nurse, whether you're an IT consultant, whether you are some kind of computer programmer, whether you are a coach, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, whether you're a business owner, a hairdresser, even a lawyer. God has got purpose for you where you are. God is positioning you for a purpose, and I believe God wants to use every single one of you here today, from tomorrow to Friday, whenever you work, to point people towards heaven. Just like the life of Daniel. And there were some qualities about Daniel that I reckon caused him to have that kind of influence. I want to share those with you today. And the first one is this. Daniel had charisma. Daniel had charisma. The, uh, the uh, dictionary of the Bible, the dictionary defines charisma as this. Charisma means a compelling attractiveness, a divinely conferred power. One of the things that as a family we love to do in summer is we love to make like an open log fire and, and, and roast marshmallows over the open log fire. Like it's amazing, we, we love to have barbecues and every night when we have a barbecue, we finish the barbecue off by chucking a bunch of logs in the brazier and I light the fire and we sit around and we toast marshmallows. Listen, it, we make these things called s'mores. You guys heard of s'mores? 
few things will change your life. Jesus built on s'mores. S'mores are like you toast the marshmallow, you sandwich it between two bits of biscuit with chocolate, and you eat it. Oh my word, the Lord is good. All right, so we love to sit around. It's a great family time. We, make, we, we, we sit around the fire. What happens though after sitting around an open fire is you walk away from the fire and you smell like smoke. And so it lingers on you. This aroma of smoke, it kind of lingers on you. So when you go inside, now guess what? Your lounge smells of smoke. Not because it was outside, but because you were in front of the fire and now you've come into the room. And so that smoke and that smell, it kind of lingers in it. The aroma, it starts to permeate different rooms. It's in your clothes. If you have hair, it's in your hair. I don't have that problem. Bless you if you do. This is one of many reasons why you shouldn't have it. All my bald brothers sitting there going, yeah, bro, preach, preach, man, preach. But it lingers on you. You take your clothes off, you put them in your wardrobe. Guess what? All your clothes are now gonna smell of smoke. They're gonna, it's gonna fill your wardrobe. Why? Because you've sat around it and the aroma has got on you. Now it, ca- it lingers wherever you go. Do you know that the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians that you and I are the aroma of Christ? It's not in your notes there, I'm sorry, but trust me, I'm a pastor. It's in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 15 says that we are the aroma of Christ. We are, we carry with us, if you're a follower of Jesus, you carry with you the aroma of heaven. So when you go into a place, in a space, and into your workplace, there is a different smell about you. It's not the Lynx effect, it's the Jesus effect. We've got some goodies coming out today, Adrian. You walk into a room and guess what? That room starts to change because you've got a different aroma about you. You carry a different culture, a different spirit, a different smell, a different sound. The way you talk, the way you walk, the way you operate, the way you think, the way you interact with people, the way you treat people, it's different. It's not the same culture as the world carries. So many of us, we've still got, still got the stink of the world on us. You've got to get the aroma of heaven on you, friends. You walk into a different uh, environment. Listen, here's the thing. If you want to smell like smoke, you've got to get around the fire. If you want to smell like heaven, you've got to get around the presence of God. You want to go into this world and have influence and have people look at you and go, there's something different about you, man. You smell a bit different. You look a bit different. You, you sound a bit different. I'm not saying that you smell weird. I'm just saying that you carry something different. And, and, and Daniel carried this wherever he went. If you want to smell like smoke, you've got to get around the fire. You've got to get around the presence of God and cultivate the aroma of heaven in your life. If you want to go into a room, listen, it, when you carry the aroma of heaven, even when you leave a room, the room still smells of heaven. It's a different spirit, a different culture, a different sound. It, 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 this is, there's a couple of things we learned, about, we learned about Daniel. The first one is in Daniel chapter 4, verse 8. People noticed a couple of things about him. Firstly, that on him, in him, was the spirit of the holy God. The second thing that we notice is that Daniel, this is in, in Daniel chapter number 6, verse 10, it tells us that Daniel would spend three times every day he would go and get on his knees and he would pray. And then the Bible says, as was his custom from early days. It was this habit, it was this custom that he had from a young man that he would go three times a day. Some of us are lucky if we go three times a week. 
Three times a day, he would go and get on his knees and he would pray. He would cultivate the aroma of heaven in his life. Friends, if you wanna cultivate the aroma of heaven in your life, if you wanna carry the spirit and the presence of God wherever you go, if you want people to go, man, in this guy is the spirit of God. In this guy is a different culture. If you wanna affect atmospheres and environments and the workplace that you go into, that God's got you for a purpose to be in, then I wanna encourage you, cultivate the aroma of heaven. Make the first appointment of your day an appointment with God. I know you're sitting there going, I'm gonna figure out my appointments and my schedule and my calendar this week. Let me tell you, first and foremost, put the very first appointment of every single day, make an appointment with God. Make it a time you get up a little bit early, stop hitting snooze on the snooze clock. I'm preaching to myself. And, and get up and go and just find a place, find a seat, find a chair, find a room, find something, but go and sit and open the Word of God and allow the Word of God to shape you and mold you so you start to smell and sound a little bit more like heaven and a little less like the world. And, and, and allow the, the, there's times when you pray and God speaks to you and go, go into some times of worship and have worship music on. Cultivate an environment of the Spirit in your home and in your life and in your own personal journey. When you're sitting in the car, chuck on the worship music wherever you go. Pray in the Spirit cultivate the aroma of heaven. So when you go into a space, you don't sound, look, smell, or taste like the rest of the people. You're different because you carry a different spirit. You have a charisma. You have an attractiveness. See, there's something, when you are different, when you, when you have a different aroma to the rest of the people in this world, people look at you and go, man, something about this guy. Something different that attracts me to this person. Years ago, I had a friend come to me and say, Steve, what is it about your life? I don't know what it is. I've only just met you, but you're not like everyone else. What is it? I said, tell you what, bro, it's Jesus. It's the only friend that's been really close to me that I've ever led to the Lord. Man, something different about you. Friends, cultivate in your life the aroma of heaven. Second one is this. Second quality Daniel had was this. Number two, character. He had character. What gave Daniel, I think, influence in his workplace was the fact that he was a man of exceptional character. Daniel 6 verse 4 says this, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. And they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful. No error or fault was found in him. Daniel backed up his charisma with character. He wasn't just charismatic. He was a man who was grounded in character. It was Daniel's character in a culture of compromise that gave him influence. It was Daniel's character in a culture of compromise that gave him influence. In fact, there's this moment, I think it's around Daniel chapter 4, no, Daniel chapter 5 verse number 16. Where the king says to Daniel, he says, Daniel, I want you to come and interpret this vision, interpret this dream for me. This was part of Daniel's job. This was Daniel's nine to five, was helping do this kind of stuff. So in his work, this is what he does. The king says, hey, interpret this vision for me, interpret this dream. And if you do it, here's what I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna put a gold chain around your neck. Feel like a 90s rapper. <laughs> back it up, back it in, let me begin. I came to win, battle me, that's a sin. No? Okay. House of pain, jump around, no? Okay. King says to him, I'll put a gold chain around your neck. I'll put it, stop laughing. You're ruining my illustration. Put a, I'll put a, gold, a, a purple robe on you. 
gold chain around your neck, a purple robe on you, and I'll go another step further. You'll be three IC. You'll be the third in charge of the whole kingdom. In other words, I'll give you money, I'll give you power, and I'll give you position. You know what Daniel's response is? He says, King, that gold, that position, that power, keep it for yourself or give it to someone else. It doesn't bother me. Because I'm not here for that stuff. I've got a purpose where God's put me. And my purpose trumps all of that. And I'm gonna do the job that you have for me to do, not because it's about money, but because God's put me here to do it. See, if you, your motivation in your work is money, position, power, if that's your motivation, then you will compromise your character to achieve it. But if your primary desire in your workplace is to serve the purposes of God, then your character is the highest value you can hold on to to achieve what God's given you to do. And many of us are compromising our character to achieve the things that we want to achieve or the world says we should achieve. Friends, are you compromising your character to attain money and power and position? If you're doing that, you're compromising the greater purpose that God has for you, and that's to influence this world for His kingdom and point people towards heaven. Don't compromise your character in the midst of it all. Quit compromising it. There's, there's nothing wrong with making money. Let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with making money. God's positioned you. Some, listen, some of you, God's even gifted to make money. You sneeze and a thousand bucks shows in your wallet. <laughs> I sneeze, I lose money. It's just not the God's gift for my life. Some of you are gifted to make money. It's an entrepreneurial gift. God has positioned you to make money, to finance the works of the kingdom. There's so much we could do here that could go far beyond if, if those who are gifted in that way would step into that calling over their life. But your motivation isn't to make money. Your motivation is to serve the purpose of God. Nothing wrong with making money. But if the money and position and power becomes your motivation, then you'll compromise your character to attain it. Daniel didn't compromise his character. My question is to you, is your character all it needs to be in your workplace to have influence and point people to God? Is your character all it needs to be? Or are you, are you doing those side deals and those dodgy things and avoiding the tax and doing all that kind of backwards stuff around the place to get the position and the money and the power, but in doing so, destroying your influence because you're undermining your character, which sets you apart from everybody else and causes people to go, there's something about him and it's pointing me towards heaven. My third thought is this. One of the things Daniel stood out with was he had competence with excellence. Maybe if the band could join me, that'd be great. He had competence with excellence. When I was at school, if you got one of these on your report card, it was a bad thing. Like, you got home, you got a whooping because you got an E on your report card. Like, you know, A, B, C, D, E. It's the next one before F. F is fail. F is failure. F is bad. You don't want an F. You get an E. Can I tell you what? Nowadays, this is a good thing. Well, you're, if you're at school right now, this is a good thing. E is for excellence. Church, the world is backwards and going all kinds of ways. Pray for this world. I just believe, I believe I was made in the wrong era. I should have been made at this era because I would have done real well in school. E, man, I've got lots of E's. E's get degrees. E, E's for excellence. 
excellence. See, you're no longer just competent, but you're competent with excellence. You can do the job and you can do it real good. You do it real well. One of the things about Daniel we've got to understand is that he was the best at what he did. He did everything he did with excellence. He was real good at it and he was excellent at it. In fact, it says here in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3 to 5, Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. An excellent spirit was in him. Now listen, it's not another spirit. It's not Father, Son, Holy Spirit, excellent spirit. It's not like a quad trinity thing. It's not like some other random spirit had taken up residence in Daniel. No, 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 no. He himself had cultivated an excellent spirit. There was an excellent spirit inside of him. He developed on the inside of himself an excellent spirit. Excellent spirit. Daniel was the best at what he did and he did it with excellence. I wanna encourage everyone. Listen, it was his excellent spirit that caused people to go, something about this guy. He's, I'm gonna promote him. Listen, if promotion is your motivation, you'll compromise character to get it. But if you're excellent, just get ready for promotion. Promotion will come if you're excellent. See, an excellence, I wanna encourage everyone in this room, if you're a boss, if you're an employee, be the best employee you can possibly be. Do your job with not just competence, but with excellence. Develop in yourself an excellent spirit. What does an excellent spirit look like? Let me tell you. An excellent spirit doesn't take shortcuts. It doesn't take the easy road because it's more convenient for yourself. It does what's best. An excellent spirit is trustworthy. Are you trustworthy in your workplace, friends? Can you be trusted with everything? An excellent spirit is reliable. Can people depend on you? An excellent spirit goes the extra mile. It doesn't just do the status quo or what I'm paid to do or my bare hour. I'm, no, no, no. An, a, an excellent spirit goes the extra mile. An excellent spirit has a positive attitude. An excellent spirit is the most upbeat, positive person in the workplace. An excellent spirit doesn't walk in the office and go, what a terrible day. I hate my job. This is the worst workplace ever. This place smells funny. Like you, and you don't find someone complaining and go, there's an excellent spirit on that guy. An excellent spirit has a positive attitude. An excellent spirit brings solutions. An excellent spirit doesn't just point out all the wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. They go, hey, hey, I'm seeing how we can do this a whole lot better. Let me give my ideas. That's an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit is not after position. It'll get position, but it's not after it. It'll get position, it'll get promotion, just like Daniel was gonna get set over the whole kingdom. You can be three IC, you can get set over the whole thing. But it's not because you're going for it, it's because you're excellent. Carry an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit delivers the best. An excellent spirit shows up on time. Not half an hour late, not dragging the chain, not always being caught. No, 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 an excellent spirit is there on time, is ready to go. An excellent spirit doesn't make excuses, doesn't blame everyone else, doesn't shift the blame why things get wrong or don't work out. It doesn't make excuses. An excellent spirit owns its part. It has responsibility. An excellent spirit fulfills their commitments. An excellent spirit takes responsibility. An excellent spirit owns the mistakes. An excellent spirit serves with generosity. Not just bare minimum, but generous with all that they do. 
And an excellent spirit cares for other people. It's not just about you and looking out for number one. An excellent spirit is there for everybody. I want to tell you, church, you may not be perfect in your workplace, but you can be excellent. You may not be perfect in your workplace, but you can be excellent. You can do what you do with excellence. You can be competent and excellent in what you do. You can go above and beyond the status quo in your Monday, in your tomorrow. I want to encourage you, choose to be a person that cultivates an excellent spirit in all that you do. Excellence is, is the language, we say excellence is the language of relevance. If you, if you want to communicate something's relevant, be excellent at that thing. Like, you go into a restaurant and, and they have this, it's not the same. It's not the same as school, right? In a restaurant, is a bad thing. Don't eat there. If you want to die, eat there. You want to get an incurable disease, eat there. E is not eat. Bad thing. You want a restaurant that communicates that's relevant to this community and attracts people to bring them in and stuff? You don't, you don't, you don't do the basic bare minimum. You, you communicate with excellence what you do. Excellent food, excellent service, excellent decor, excellent presentation. Everything is excellent because it communicates relevance. And there's no greater and more relevant message in this world today for a broken, lost, and hurting humanity than the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel message. And if we want to communicate it with relevance to our people, we want to do it with excellence. If you're not performing with any kind of excellence, if you're just bare minimum, why would someone else look at you and go, something about them, they're a follower of Jesus, something about that makes sense, and it's now pointing me closer towards heaven. Excellence will draw people. Excellence will catch people's eye. Excellence will get people's attention. Excellence will point people towards heaven. Do whatever you do and do it with excellence because you're not just in a job. You're not just doing a nine to five. You're positioned by God for purpose. You may not like your job. I guarantee that Daniel didn't like being a slave. He didn't like working for his boss, but he realized that God had put him there. And God had purpose from there. And his life pointed everyone around him towards heaven. I encourage you, may your life point people to heaven as well. Let's pray together, church. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Lord, I pray for each of us in this room today, no matter where we are, no matter what we do. Lord, I pray for the doctors. I pray for the nurses. I pray for the IT consultants, the builders, the pilots. God, I pray for the architects. I pray for the automotive mechanics. I pray, pray for the plumbers. I pray for the teachers. I pray for those who are in community. I pray for those social workers. I pray for those who are in areas of government, education, early childhood. I pray for the mums. I pray for the retirees. I pray that all of us, Lord, would be a people that cultivate an aroma of heaven. Lord, that our first and foremost meeting of every day is to meet with you, to catch the aroma of Christ, to catch the aroma of heaven, that where we go and where we are, Lord, there's a charisma, there's a lingering effect, there's a presence that we carry that's beyond ourselves, points people towards you. God, I pray that we would not compromise our character 
But Lord, we would discover that our highest purpose and highest calling in our job is not position, power, or money. Our highest calling is to serve the purpose of God. And God, I pray that we would no longer compromise character in pursuit of money, but we would hold our character as the highest virtue and value to achieve what you've called us to achieve. And if we've been compromising, Lord, forgive us. We choose tomorrow to get up and do it better. And Lord, I pray help us to be a church and a people that live with excellence. Lord, in all our working and all our doing and all our Monday to Friday, God, that we wouldn't just be competent. We wouldn't just be good at what we do, but we'd be excellent at what we do. Lord, we may not be perfect at what we do, but we can be excellent at it. Help us to develop an excellent spirit, Lord. In all that we do, we would point people towards you. Just while every eyes closed and head bowed, I'd love to pray one more prayer today. And I don't know what drew you into church this morning. I don't know what brought you here. But I do know that there is a God who loves you very much. You're not a mistake or an accident, and you're not here by mistake or accident. I believe you're here because God desired that you would be here. And our greatest purpose we can have is to know Him, to have a relationship with Him. Some of you in this room today, you're here, but you've been running from God. Almost even now, you're feeling like, oh, I mean, you're just resisting this, this word right now because you're like, I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Can I tell you, God is not going to let up at you. He's not going to stop at you. He is a relentless pursuer of those who are lost, and He loves you very much. We all mess up and sin. But God sent His own Son, Jesus, to a cross. And when He died on that cross, He took upon Himself what you and I would do for our sin. And He extends to all of us today His free gift of grace, forgiveness for your past, a new life that begins right here, right now. It's called being born again by the Spirit of God. God gets in on the inside of you and makes you a brand new person. You get to walk into plans that He has for you. He's got plans for your life for good and not for evil, to give you future and hope. And he's got this great promise of eternity in heaven for you. This life is not the end of the story. He's got an eternity prepared for you. And I want to invite you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, but you want to, or you're far from God, you're running from God, and today's your day to get right with him, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud. You don't have to pray it out loud. You just pray it with me in your heart. But when you pray it, I want you to mean it with everything you've got. Just say these words. Say, God, today... I surrender my life to you. I know that I've sinned. I know that I've messed up. But I believe, Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I turn from my old life, and I turn to you. I ask you to come in. Be the Lord of my life. Make me brand new today. I choose from this moment to live for you. In Jesus' name. Just while your eyes still closed and head bowed, if you prayed that prayer, can I tell you, I'm so proud of you. I think this is the most amazing decision you'll ever make in your entire life. I'd love to celebrate with you. What I want to invite you to do is take one more little step of faith. I'm going to ask you to be really brave and really bold, and I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to be really brave, and I want you to put your hand up nice and high. Now, I'm not doing that to embarrass you or call you out or stand you up. All I want to do is acknowledge your hand. I want you to take that one little step of faith. You can, I'll acknowledge your hand and you can put it straight back down. Are you ready, church, on the count of three? If you said yes to Jesus today, one, two, three. Hands up nice and high saying, Steve, that's me. Count me in. Awesome, my man. I see you, brother. That's awesome. Anyone else saying, Steve, count me in. That's me. 
I prayed that prayer. I want to know him. I want to know the life that he has for me. Be bold, be brave. Awesome. Well, God, we thank you so much for your presence that is here. I thank you for lives that have been turned around and transformed. I bless those who have responded in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, church, put your hands together for those who responded this morning. That's incredible.